agree with Lyle. We've been praying with expectation that tonight would be a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. God would meet you in a fresh and new way. So we're thrilled that you're here. I hope you're excited that you're here. And so uh, this weekend, and this last couple days, we had a school of prayer, kind of a summit of about 75 people from all over the city that were gathered here. And it was an amazing time and a great time. I know not everyone could could be a part of that, but here's what I want you to know. Um, It was uh, a God-ordained moment. and it was life-giving. So if you're part of that team and you were here, you snuck in, thank you for helping organize that. For everyone who was serving in that, thank you for doing that. Because that's not just a blessing uh, to the people that were gathered. That was a blessing to the city. And uh, that's part of our heartbeat, is we want to be a church that blesses our city. And uh, you, you're gathered here. Uh, I just want you to know you were prayed for. And people were lifting you up and praying for God to be active in your life. And that's actually what we're going to look into tonight as we finish up this series called Whispers. We've been kind of, how do you tune in to hear from God? And we've been looking at a couple different things. We've been learning some things about our hearing and about how things work. You think about, scientifically speaking, the human voice is made up of sound waves kind of traveling through space, kind of hitchhiking on atoms and moving this idea that kind of 1,100 feet per second that you would hear my voice right now, like that would get to you and you would echo within, you'd be able to understand and do it. And the average male will speak at a frequency, if you measure frequency, we looked at volume last week, but frequency is about 100 hertz is a frequency. For women, I mean, just a little pitch higher, about 150 hertz. Uh, For some of you, you're outside those ranges and that's okay. Um, Like you got the Barry White voice, that's awesome. Uh, You know, whatever. We have a range of hearing sound waves, everything from 20 hertz to about 20,000. We can hear within that range. What's fascinating, and you can study this this week uh, because there's this thing called Google. Use it. Um, Anything below 20 hertz is infrasonic. You can't hear it. I just did something, infrasonic. Did you guys hear it? I'm kidding. I I didn't. Anything above 20,000 hertz is ultrasonic. You can't hear it. Maybe your dog can, but you can't. Yet, we think of this range, 20 to 20,000, but God isn't limited to our range. We're human. We're limited. We have edges. We have limits, but God doesn't. Isn't it fascinating that he created elephants? Anyone else just think that's crazy, that he created elephants? Do you know how Elephants can tell changes in weather patterns. Infrasonic sound. Below what you and I could even hear. We go to ultrasonic sound and we understand that that's how you can pasteurize milk. That's how you can track a submarine. That's how you can break up kidney stones, which I'm grateful for. I had that a couple times. You could drill through steel. What? and you can get a glimpse of your unborn child. Crazy to think that sound can do that. And yet it's another reminder to us that nothing is too big or too loud or too small or too quiet for God. He doesn't operate within our limits and yet his voice is continually going out and longing to connect with you and with me. It's amazing. 
when you begin to understand this, you experience a miracle all the time. And just the sound of a bird chirping or a song playing or your friend whispering your name. We started this series looking at the reality that, hey, uh, to listen means you got to pay attention. And anything you pay for has a cost to it, right? It, it, it cost us a little bit of something to lean in and to truly hear from God. It, it cost us maybe some time, some energy, some focus, saying no to some things, to say yes to other things. There's going to be a cost to it, but it's worth it in the end. It's worth your investment to want to lean in, that, that I think all of us are wired in a way that we want to hear more from God. But maybe there's this struggle, this tension to understand how do we listen carefully enough? Because if you don't, you can miss the words God's trying to speak into your life, the things he's trying to share and connect with you about. So just a quick recap. Uh, I want to encourage you to go back in the app and, and watch these messages if you haven't, just to kind of catch you up a little bit. Week one, we kind of say, hey, you got to listen closely. And we had this takeaway. We said, God speaks clearly to those who are mulling over his word consistently. That to, to kind of hear from God, to, be, uh, to hear from God, we've got to abide with God. That there's a predominant way that God speaks, and often it is through his word, the Bible, and the word, Jesus. And so we need to lean into that. We challenged each other to say, hey, maybe there's some Bible reading plans that you want to tackle this year. Maybe you have never done that. Maybe it's been a long time since you've done that. Well, let this be the year that you actually engage in that. Uh, look up version, that free Bible app. There's thousands of reading plans on there. And take it up on there. And this, we said this summer, we're going to look through kind of summer in the Psalms, June and July. We're going to challenge each other to read through the Psalms in June and July. So that's coming. That's another heads up, woohoo! Um, but this idea of make it a practice. God has an outside voice, but most often, friends, he longs to connect in a whisper. Why? Because you naturally have to lean in to hear a whisper. It's more intimate. So week two, we said we gotta listen up. That sometimes we gotta turn down the noise of this world in order to turn up the voice of God. We gotta begin to position ourselves and to be ready and have available and open ears like Samuel did. We looked at his story where he said the simple prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What if we adopted that prayer? A little bit more as we read the Bible, a little bit more as we just lived life. We said, God, speak. We want to develop our spiritual attentive listening skills. We want to get better at this. And we know we got to pay attention. There's a cost to it, but we want to invest in that. We want to learn how to turn down the noise, to turn up your voice a little bit. We looked at Psalm 131, right? This great psalm. Some of you I saw posted different things of how God was moving in your heart with that, and it's fantastic. It's a great psalm to meditate on and to think about. And so in this final week, we're going to look at this idea of how do you listen carefully? How do you listen carefully? How many of you remember uh, the old telephone game? As you were a kid, remember? Uh, you'd be in a classroom setting probably, more than likely, maybe a team setting, and someone would whisper something to someone like, we're going to Dairy Queen, okay? And then whatever it would be, and then they have to pass it down the line, one person to the next person to the next person to the next person to the next person to the next, you get the idea, right? To the next person to the next person, all the way down to the very end, and then that person would have to repeat what they said. We're getting burritos, like, no, it's not even close to what we, because it hardly ever matched. Why? Because the reality is it turned into a relay race, right? So accuracy didn't really matter at that point. 
You could say that's what the game was. Hey, I want the first person to say it, whisper it all the way down, and we want the last person to actually be right to what the first person said. But when you're working with elementary kids, it's just like, go fast, right? And so they hurry and hustle, and it hardly ever matched. And the challenge, I think, sometimes is we can get caught up in the hustle and bustle of our world and the messages that we are surrounded by. We live in a culture that is screaming thousands of messages at us every single day, and no one escapes it. And maybe very much like the telephone game, God's voice is one voice among thousands, and we can get it jumbled, and we can get it mixed up, and it takes courage to lean into this idea. You remember your mom leaning into you, and she would look you in the eye, and she would say this, wouldn't she? Listen carefully right? And the next words out of her mouth, you were not only just supposed to hear them, you were intended to hear her heart behind them, correct? How many of you had a mama like that? One. You all are not even playing along. Yeah, I know your mama said that to you. I'm going to say it to you right now. No, I'm just um, but this idea of listen carefully, right? It means you're listening beyond the words. You're wanting to hear the heart intent behind it. And friend, we need to be people who attune ourselves like that to God. Not just to hear words or or to hear his whispers, but to hear his heart behind it. Why? Because God longs to create and initiate relationship with you. He's not an operator just trying to give information. He's trying to build a relationship with you, and he longs for that to be built with him. It's about increasing our familiarity with God and with his voice and how he wants to speak and what he has to speak and what his heart is really like. See, when you're familiar with someone, then you understand their words more than just words. You know this to be true in your life. When you're familiar with someone, even when they have a bad day and they communicate something harshly, you don't take it as harshly. Why? because you're familiar. You understand their heart. You understand what's going on behind the scenes. You understand how they've treated you in the past and how they've communicated and how they've connected in the past, and that will impact the present and the future of how you interpret and how you see this and how you begin to listen. So listen to these words that Jesus says in John chapter 10 as he's talking about him being the good shepherd. In fact, the whole chapter is a great chapter to read this week. John chapter 10. And here's what he has to say as he leans in, and he's wanting us to understand something about the way he communicates, to get familiar with him. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out in front of them. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. What is Jesus driving home here? I want you to become familiar with my voice. I'm the good shepherd. I know you. I know your name. I know your story. 
I know your history. I know the longings of your heart. I was there at the very beginning. I knit you together. I know you. And I want you to know me. I want you to recognize my voice. I want you to begin to have a recognition of my voice, become familiar with it. We understand this as we train our dogs. How many of you have ever gotten a new dog before, right? All right, a few of you got a new dog, and maybe you even changed their name, and you begin to use their name over and over and over, and treats and treats and treats and all that stuff, and, and what does a dog naturally do? Because dogs are awesome. They learn their name, right? And, and when you call them, they come, usually unless they did something wrong, and then they're kind of sheepish about it, but like, sheep become this way. I know some of you are like, I've got a cat. I don't care, okay? Just, you may say your cats are trainable, you are fooling yourself, okay? They are playing you, okay? Cats don't operate that way. Um, but dogs, dogs are God's best creation outside of women. And he's just this idea of saying, hey, you can learn this. Domesticate, you understand the voice. And you adhere to that. You look to that. We are his sheep. Friends, expect to hear his voice. Expect it. Live expectantly because he longs to communicate. See, a good shepherd talks to his sheep. That's how you lead sheep. You don't drive sheep. You lead them, and you are calling them by name. You drive cattle, and you, you nip at cattle, and, and you push them, but a shepherd leads his sheep, and they follow. Why? Because they recognize his voice. They understand the care that he's given. We spent a whole, uh, last January, spending a whole time looking through Psalm 23 that David writes and says, God is this good shepherd. If you need help getting an understanding of who God really is and what he's really like, go back and lean into that. Because that's what Jesus is driving home here. He is communicating. He still speaks. He loves you. He is familiar with you. And he longs for you to be familiar with him. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. The one who does not expect God to speak will discount every single time that God does. Live with an expectation that God longs to speak to you. As the good shepherd, he will lead you forward and call you by name. He doesn't manipulate or drive people. He may push you or nudge you at times. You do that with your kids. But he wants to lead you so listen for his voice. The good shepherd knows your name and he calls to you. Uh, one of my favorite little verses in the Bible uh, that talks about this incredible little mystery that we get to discover when we get home to heaven, when, when we pass and as a believer and we've trusted in Jesus that we get to understand Jesus has a nickname for you. Do you know that? Jesus has a nickname for you. How many of you grew up with a nickname? Maybe you had one. There was hopefully a, a term of endearment, and it was a good nickname for you. If it was negative, then wash that out for this illustration. But this idea of a nickname is someone that knows you intimately, is familiar with you. Listen to this verse in Revelation 2.17. It says this, Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. So this is a, a message going out to the church. To him who is victorious, to one who lives with faith in Jesus and dies victorious in him, committed to him, I will give each one a white stone. And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. 
Jesus has a nickname for you. What does that mean? That little verse is a, is a gold mine of a profound reality. Jesus has a nickname for you. You know what that means? He's really familiar with you. And he really loves you. And he's got this sidekick name that he doesn't have for anybody else, just you. And he whispers that. You know what that also means? That God loves to communicate to us differently. It's not mass emails with God. Your name just isn't inserted into a letter that's already pre-written. He loves to communicate individually, specifically, intimately, because he uses a nickname. That he whispers to you, this white stone has your name on it. The other cool part is in ancient times, a white stone was used as a declaration of innocence in a court trial. If you were guilty, they'd turn over a black stone. If you were innocent, they'd turn over a white stone. That through faith in Jesus, we stand innocent before God. It's amazing. Little reality. White stone was also often used as an entry, kind of a, a backstage pass, if you will, to get into a private special party. You know what happens when you get home to heaven? They throw a giant party. You know what happens when you say yes to Jesus for the first time? All heaven stops and throws a party. Because you're invited and welcomed home and welcomed into the family. So this little reality speaks volumes of how God wants to connect with you, that he longs to speak with us differently, uniquely. For some of you, God's going to use his outside voice a little bit more because you need that. For others of you, he's going to whisper in a little nuance because that's how he catches your attention. That's what quickens your pulse. For others of you, it's going to be through words of knowledge. As you study and learn, you're going to see things that you go, man, that was for me, God. And he's whispering to your heart. For others, it might be in nature or through your senses. For, other, for all of us, it's through the scriptures. We know that to be true. So learn to attune your life that you can listen carefully to your good shepherd. I mentioned a couple books at the start of this whole series. One of those was Hearing God by Dallas Willard. One was Whisper, where we kind of got the title for this series from Mark Batterson. And this is a great book if you're looking to go a little bit further in understanding how God is communicating. He unpacks in the last half of the book about seven different love languages God uses. I just want to highlight them real quick. Uh, he goes through seven scriptures, desires, that we are each wired with different desires. I mean, obviously, there's some negative desires, some off-kilter desires, but there's some unique desires that you've been gifted with and put into your DNA, into your character, how you're wired. And God will often speak through that, through doors, doors that open, doors that close. Opportunities might be the word you look for there. Dreams. For some of you, God speaks in dreams to you. And that's not something that I have, but I've heard people who talk about they feel like God just communicates with them through dreams, through people. God brings specific people to cross your path and intersect your life, and it changes you, and they speak into your life through promptings. The Holy Spirit prompting you deep within what we call your knower, right? Just deep within you that you just sense this has got to be something more than just me making this up. There's something there or through pain. For some of you, for all of us, I think, there's lessons that we're going to learn through pain and whispers we'll hear from God that you will not hear outside of that. And so he kind of unpacks this in a little bit more if you want to understand that. But today I just want to kind of tie back into this first one. 
to the scriptures. And I want to lead us into an activity in a little bit. Uh, I've got a few more things to say before we get there, but I want us to experience something tonight. Try something with me. You know, all of these things are powerful, but I want you to look at this idea of Scripture because I think it is the predominant way that God speaks. I love what Dallas Willard says this. <clears throat> it cannot be stressed too much that the permanent address at which the Word of God may be found is the Bible. More of God's speaking to me has come in conjunction with the study, reading, and teaching of the Bible than with anything else. It is one of the predominant ways God will speak. And he'll speak through other uh, experiences and the things that we listed up there and things that are not listed up there. But he will never contradict his scripture. It speaks clearly to us. We are to engage the Bible to seek the one who inspired it. That seems real simple, but I want to say it again. As we engage the Bible, we seek to encounter the one who inspired this and had it written down and has protected it over centuries that we might know him and know him better. We don't read to accomplish some assignment, but we want to encounter the one who speaks through it. We don't read to endure, though I know going through Leviticus is tough, and sometimes you just got to endure through that. But we read to experience and to engage God and his heart behind the words. He wants you to lean in and listen carefully. That's what he would whisper sometimes. So in your notes, I don't have time to unpack this. I'm just going to highlight it. So if you have the app and you go to sermon notes, in the version notes, I put four different ways, four different methods, four different models that you can use as you're studying through Scripture. One is Lectio Divina. That's what I actually want us to practice tonight. I'll unpack that a little bit. One is kind of the circling the passage, where you're reading through a certain passage of Scripture and you just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to stop you. That maybe there's something, an aha moment, where you read it and go, I didn't notice that before. And maybe there's a moment where you're reading through and you get stuck on a word or stuck on a phrase or stuck on a reality, something unfolded in it. And you're going to circle that. And for five days, you're going to actually come back to that. And I listed all the different questions you can ask yourself in there. This narrative integration is when you're reading a parable or reading through a story, a narrative part of Scripture, that you insert yourself into the story as one of those characters. What would it have been like to be there? What would I be thinking what might God want me showing me as I'm looking at it from that perspective? Here's what we know about perspective. It's different, right? You know this to be true. If you've ever sat on a jury, that different people have different perspectives and it changes and shapes how they see things. And so maybe this narrative integration is for you. Maybe you're a studier, you're a deeper thinker. Maybe you're doing a deep dive where you're looking at the, the history of the Greek and the Hebrew and looking at these words and trying to unpack the greatest context of what's going on and that you're, the information that's informing your mind. Listen, it's not about becoming smarter or knowing more. This is about knowing God better. So what you learn in your head better impact your heart. That's where Christians go sideways. And that's where our society says, you're sideways, right? We know this to be true. We see it. So this isn't about knowledge puffs up, but knowledge that's changing and shaping the heart, that's what God wants to use. Why? Because he wants you to listen carefully, not just to the words, but to his heart behind it. And so what I want to do with the time we got left is begin to practice one of these. So the Lectio Divina, 
okay? I want to begin to, to practice this. This was developed by a former, kind of be a formal discipline in the scripture meditation back in kind of the four or 500 AD by Benedict of Nursia. And it's kind of picked up with this whole explanation of the, the St. Benedict's rule, it kind of adopted this a little bit more, but listen, it's not just for monks, okay? How many of you are a monk? No one, right? This isn't just for monks. Because the reality is, I think the psalmist did this long before they put a cool Latin name to it. I think this is what the psalmist is. And it gathers and it centers around four R's. Read, where you're reading the text. You're reading it a few different times. You're reflecting on what's a word or what's a phrase that's sticking out to me and why might that be sticking out to me? Why is that catching my attention? And then you're responding. You're giving it, taking a moment of prayer. God, I just want to pray through this a little bit. And then you're resting. God, thank you for speaking into my life. It's a simple practice. And that's what I want us to practice tonight. Now, so I know for some of you, um, this may feel very uncomfortable. I don't care. I want to stretch you tonight. For some of you, you're going to love this. Now, for some of you, it's going to be a little quiet. You may fall asleep. Listen, that's okay. It's all grace. I want you to practice this for the next five minutes, and I'm going to lead you through this, because I think this is a way that can actually begin to revolutionize how you engage with the Bible, not just reading to get through something. Uh, God gave me a verse when I started in ministry that has been kind of a life verse for it's Ephesians 1.17, it says this, I keep asking that God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Not just know more about him, that's knowledge that puffs up, but to know him better. I'm on the planet, I know this, I'm on the planet to help people know God better. That's why I'm here. That's what I love, getting to be a part of this community with you, to be on this journey with you. I want to help you get to know God better. I want to get to know God better. And so this Lectio Divina is going to be on a passage in John chapter 10. Just a little passage, a few verses that we put together. I'm going to read through them three different times. I'm going to give a little space in between it. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand, just, you're just leaning into this. So a little history. Um, when shepherds would come into a town and, and they would have to bring their flock out of the hills and they would come into a town, there would be larger sheep pens that were there that would actually host maybe five or six or seven different herds of sheep. So it's not just all of your sheep that gets, you don't get a separate hotel room just for your sheep. You come in, there's this giant pen, and so your sheep begin to mingle and mix with all these others because you're hanging out, maybe you're going to get something to eat, you're spending the night, and then the next day you're coming back out and you're grabbing your flock and you're going to move them on. And so Jesus is giving this picture about him being the good shepherd. Us, we're the sheep. Now listen, sheep are not the brightest animal in the animal kingdom. I, I hate to break that to you we're referred to as sheep. We're referred to as loved sheep. That's awesome. But we're not a lion. All right? So in this passage, we're listening for the shepherd's voice. And so the first time, I want you to read it with me. You can use your eyes and read it on the screen, or maybe you just want to think about it. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. 
Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money, and he doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Now you read through it once. This time I want you to close your eyes and just listen to it. And here's what I want you to listen for. What's the word? What's the phrase that you sense God saying, hey, this is for you? What, where do you keep getting stuck in the passage? Listen for it. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, it's got to be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money, doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. With your eyes closed, just be thinking, what phrase, what word, what insight is starting to stick out to you? Why might God be bringing that to mind? Why is he stirring your heart with that? How does this help me see God better, know him deeper? Listen one more time. And then I'm going to give you 30 seconds after to engage in a prayer, a moment, just to have a conversation with God. And then I'll close this in a bit. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate 
is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand runs when he sees the wolf come, and he abandons the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. The hired hand runs away. He's working for money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And they know me. How did God move your heart? These words are alive and active, God says. And if we don't sprint through them, we actually just create some space, some solitude and some silence. It's amazing how God longs to communicate and connect if we listen carefully. Maybe you heard a word, a phrase. Did you hear his heart behind it? Not just the words on a page, but the heart for you behind it. As he's ministering to your heart, How does it help you see him better? How does it help you love him more? How does it help you love people around you? Father, this is a a simple exercise. And I think deep down, you want us to experience more. So whether we got something right away or whether it took a little work, whether we're struggling, I pray that you'd help us to engage your word in a relational manner like this. that we might hear your words, but even more importantly, 
we might be captivated by your heart behind them. You are the good shepherd. You know our name. You even got a nickname for us. We want to become familiar with your voice. We know you have an outside voice that you can use and you have. But predominantly, you long to whisper. So would you help us grow as a people who listen closely, who listen up, and who listen carefully to connect with you, to be shaped by you, to be imprinted and impacted by you. We love you. And we thank you for just this little moment right here. For each one who heard from you, I pray that you would allow that to linger and even gently harass them this week with your love. God, for those of us who are looking for that, I pray that you'd meet us often in your word. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, uh, <clears throat> we want to continue to create a little more space for that. And so, but we needed to do something here tonight to just kind of update you on some stuff. So I know Brian's joining me out here. We've got uh, a little moment of a family chat. We have something to celebrate with you tonight. We have something to kind of call us to tonight. And then we're going to do communion and we're going to close in a song and a couple last quick announcement type stuff. So we're creating space for that. But real quickly, we have something to celebrate. Oh, good. You got, and grab those bracelets too, you can throw them out. <clears throat> I don't know if, um, and you can throw those to whoever you want. I don't know how this is going to work, but here's what we have to celebrate. Five years ago, uh, we took out a lease to own on all of our production equipment, sound equipment, audio equipment, everything you see here and all that kind of stuff and other things, and, and we hung on the truss, remember that, in Pantano's gym, and we said, oh, that's $120,000. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we said, okay, God, we're going to do this. And uh, as of last week, we are now debt-free with that payment. So, that was way cooler than I thought it was going to be. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That's a lot of mess right there. <laughs> yeah, we got to clean it That's up. That's a lot of celebration. Here, I'll, so, I'll make more of a mess. We'll just go for it. Here we go. So these are bracelets, candy bracelets. If you want to eat one, go for it. Uh, Roberta got sorry, them all. So, sorry, sorry. Okay. But, so with that, we might need some help. Um, that kind of leads us to the second part, which is we, we did this on a $3 budget because we're awesome like Actually, that. And that. You said it was a dollar store. It was a dollar store. All right. So, yeah. That was good. Well, I just, I just want to let you guys know, um, it has been awesome to be in leadership with you guys and seeing what God has done through you, through all the stuff we do in the community, and it's amazing to see that we are um, where we are, and that's only because God has allowed us to be where we are. And so it's because of God working through you that we are where we are. And so, yes, we can celebrate, but I also, we need to be real with you about where we are um, last week I mentioned to you that we are, our budget year 
is um, June to July, or July to June. July to June. It's July to June. And so it's different than the calendar budget or maybe your personal budget, but it's just that's where we are. So we're right now we're sitting midway through our budget. And so our annual budget is $288,600. And so that is our budget annually. That's what basically takes in the rent for buildings and offices and operational cost and personnel cost and all of that. And so if you do the math, I had to do the, I had to do the math pre of this because I'm, uh, I would screw it up. But the math that that boils down to is 52 weeks a year that boils out to 5,500 and some change a week. That's our weekly goal that it makes us to hit that budget. And so we have hit that some months and some months we've been way low than that. And so right now where we're sitting, we're about, tw- so our average on giving is about 4,700 a week. So every time we come, take an offering, give online, or anything that comes up, some of you reoccur give, and some of you give cash in, in the boxes and all that kind of stuff. We average about $4,700 a week. So if you take the 5,500 minus the 47, there's a little bit of a gap there. And so over the last six months, we've, we've created a little bit of a gap and we're behind. And so just wanted you to be transparent. If you're new with us, uh, you can listen to this and think, oh, these guys are cool. They're talking about money in a transparent way or they're like, oh my gosh, that's why I didn't want to come back to church because they're always talking about money. We don't always talk about money. If you've been around Elements a long time. But I just wanted to not, we're not guilting you. We're not saying that this is like we're going to lay off staff next week or we're going to close the door. That's not, that's not why we're communicating with you. We're communicating to you so that we can pray. So that we can pray and thank God for the, where he's got us, where he's bringing us. Just like our, our mission and vision statement, our vision statement is we want to be the light and hope to the heart of the city. And right now we're using a little bit of a flashlight. But we want to be like a football stadium and a big arena you know, you can see Udall Park or you can see a high school football stadium that is well lit. And if we don't make up that gap, we're not going to close the door. We're just going to have to rearrange what we do and our impact will be a little bit smaller. God is in control. We know that he's in control, but he loves to hear from his kids and request from his kids on what their desire is. So just so you know that we've done our job. We had a CPA come through our books. Um, she evaluated them. She's probably one of the best uh, nonprofit CPAs in Tucson. And uh, she made us some recommendations. We've cut. The staff has done an amazing job of doing powerful ministry um, on a very, very creative short budget. Dollar tree budget. Dollar yeah. tree budget. Sometimes it's like, what can we find in the Mayfield Flores dumpster? Um, just jokes. Our office, for those of you who don't know, our office is at uh, a Mayfield Flower building in, in right behind the Mercedes dealership. So that's where the Mayfield dumpster comes. But what I'm, so we've done our job. We've done as a staff that you entrust us to take and manage the budget. We've done as much as we possibly can uh, to shrink what we do, to spend um, only what comes in. And, but we're just bringing that to you so you know, um, so that you know. And so we, what I'm asking you is, is three things. We know God is in control. We're going to ask you, um, I've updated our board, um, our staff, and I would ask you now to join us in praying for God's favor for us, not just financially, 
but just for the Holy Spirit to come into our church, come into the community that we're at, and just blow it up how he sees fit. And then pray for God to move in the hearts of the people here in our church. To pray for this, this gap. This pray for this, this short, shortness that we have. Pray for God to move in the hearts of our people to partner in catching up and strengthening our savings. We've had to dip into our savings a little bit to cover bills, but we would need that strengthened too. And also, we just want to finish this year financially strong so that we can look into next year with the plans of the impact that the Holy Spirit has for us to do. We don't want to be fighting and trying to, to, to rearrange things and try to cut things back to make it work. We want to live in abundance. And so thank you for, for the people that give in that. And the third, the third thing is, as you're praying, would you consider giving a, a one-time gift or upping your percentage that you're giving now to get us for that short time to get us where we need to be back um, in, in the budget? And that's what we're going to ask. We're not going to guilt you, but God is doing amazing things here. He's moving in Tucson. He's moving us in a, in a way that I can't even put into words. He wants us to reflect his light and give the hope to a city, to people that need him. And you get to be a part of that. And we're asking you to be a part of that. We're not forcing you, but we would love for you to consider praying and seeing how you can be an active part of bringing this, this shortcoming or this gap back together. We're gonna finish with the song Closer after we take communion. And I just, this whole series about whisper and then going through the school of prayer has readjusted the frequencies that I listen with. It's amazing. God is always speaking to us. It's just if we listen. And so I want you to listen tonight as we take communion, as we, as we take those, that juice and that bread, is this as it signifies his body and his blood. That you take that with, with listening ears. Uh, and what is God whispering in you? How is he refreshing and renewing in you that promise that he gave his life for you? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. Lord, we thank you how you've provided. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that just to bring us closer, to draw us in, Show us where we can, we can help your kingdom and where we can develop our hearts and how you can change our hearts and our minds to serve you more. Lord, just be with us as we take this communion and we take this time. Lord, continue to move in us. Continue to lead us. And Holy Spirit, just pour yourself out on us.